Gather round. This is the Ticket Water Cooler. This is what the greatest thing about sports is. You play to win the game. Coming at you live in the heart of Lincoln, America. I say, hold up. Wait a minute. Something ain't right. On air and online at theticketfm.com. Here are your hosts, Jake Bakovin and Enrique Alvarez Cleary. Welcome into the Ticket Water Cooler here on 93.7 The Ticket. It is Good Sense Friday, so my stomach is full. I don't know if Rico had a chance to eat his sandwich yet, but mm, you just have to uh, sit through me here as uh, as I get comfortable. As you guys settle in and find your seats as well, of course, we always have our Friday uh, tradition to have Brian Munson of Husker Online and On3 on with us as well. So we'll go ahead and introduce him. Brian, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, guys. How are you? Oh, pretty good. It's a it's a good day to have you on. There's plenty of news to kind of talk about with Nebraska and their transfer portal activity. Uh, so let's go ahead and start there. Eric Gilbert, the big transfer, and, and when I say big, I mean big transfer from Georgia. Um, the tight end, I'm sure a lot of people have kind of heard about his story by now, but if you could just kind of break it down and how Nebraska particularly got the interest of him. Well, I mean, obviously he came in as uh, on a, as a visitor last weekend. It was kind of, you know, on the wraps. And obviously they, they had brought in both tight ends from Georgia last weekend, which, of course, is a little bit interesting. But there's a connection, you know, back out of the, the Georgia coaching offices back to Matt Rule with, a, with, one of the, with one of the guys that are there now that he coached, you know, back in college. Um, but, you know, Gilbert is – and I mentioned it in Tunnel Talk. Um, Eric Gilbert – so, number one, he was – like the number two tight end in the class of 2020. And, and, and Fedoni was what our Gilbert was number five and Fedoni was number two. I'm trying to remember how that worked, but you got two top five tight ends from, from 2021 and 2022 or 2020, 2020 and 2021 that are both now on the roster and they'll both be in the room. And, you know, and Gilbert takes a lot of pressure off of that room um, because that room it's not like they don't have talent. You just don't know how, you know, you don't have a, you don't have great confidence there because there's a lack of experience. The best guy that's in the room has suffered two season ending uh, injuries when it comes to his knee and in Fedoni. And there is so much, there are so many people that are looking forward to him getting on the field and and having an opportunity to kind of put it all together. Cause I, I've read some stuff, you know, about Niles Paul and not knowing who he was and just saying, you know, comparing him to, to George Kittle. And that's, that is really huge news when you start talking about the need for Nebraska to have a pass catcher, you know, at that spot and you lose Bokalik and you, and you lost Brewington and now you get Gilbert into the room and he helps out with taking some of that pressure off the room and, and gives Fedoni a chance to kind of, you know, ease back into it a little bit. Cause like we were talking offline, you know, Fedoni is a competitor. He is an off the charts competitor and he's going to have to have somebody kind of saving him from himself because there's going to be some dangerous dangerous points and dangerous waters in kind of getting back into things as opposed to jumping full in, you know, into the deep end. You're going to want to ease yourself back in here a little bit. You're going to want to ramp up as opposed to just, you know, running that 4-5. You're going to want to run 75% speed for a while. And you're going to want to get your feet underneath you. And then all of a sudden you're going to want to take that brace off because you're realizing it's 
slowing you up and then you're going to want to go ahead and get through it a little bit more. But what Gilbert does is he allows things to kind of slow down the process for Fedoni. He can kind of ramp up a little bit more gradually. Gilbert becomes the A1 guy in the room where he's got to go ahead and get, you know, into the, into the strength and conditioning side and into the offense immediately because that's essentially who your pass catching tight end will be until Fedoni can join him. And Fedoni then is more of that hybrid kind of move him around, you know, tight end as opposed to Gilbert where he can do that, but he's still got the ability to put a hand in the dirt. So you look at the tight end room right now for Nebraska. As you just said, Eric Gilbert probably uh, more than likely going to be number one. Fedoni, if he's healthy, because again, we, we, we're we not sure if he'll make it through the, the entire offseason because it's been two offseasons where he's gotten injured before the first game even uh, gets here. Uh, if he is healthy, will more than likely be your number two. And then after those two, your most experienced tight end is a walk-on in Nate, in, in Nate Borkature and a whole bunch of people who haven't really seen much time at tight end. Right, exactly right. And that's why I'm saying, you know, the room, so Borkatcher got thrown into some, you know, some critical time last year. And, uh, and obviously there, there were a couple of, of, of drops that I can recall, you know, I couldn't remember what the games were, but I can obviously remember the, 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 the images off the TV coverage, you know, of Borkatcher not necessarily having his hands up, you know, when Thompson's throwing him the football, maybe he wasn't expecting it, not on the same page, et cetera. But this allows, I think, obviously, to take a little bit more pre- the pressure, not just off the Doni, but obviously Borkatcher that's probably sitting there in that third tight end kind of role. Plus, you know, you, you, you lost Benjamin Bramer. Bramer's now going to Ames, Iowa. You didn't really have a, a guy that was in that 2023 class. You might be able to lay the guy in Flores, you know, this weekend is coming as an official visitor. But, I mean, there's they're just the issues at the tight end room really began to stack up. And and it's it's like when you when you lost Brewington, you lost local because uh, leaving leaving the program, and you lose Bramer because of the commitment. You know it puts a focus on Carter Nelson, it puts a focus back on on the portal transfer, and it puts a focus back on Fidoni. And, and those are really the three names that you guys you know we got to start talking about, as well as Borkature that's back there a little bit more in, in, in the depth of the room. But you had to get somebody. It was it's the same kind of scenario you had it at the quarterback position. You can't have Thompson and Smothers on the sideline thinking that one of those are your two guys come fall and not have a healthy guy coming in there that you feel like if Thompson or Smothers is not you know can challenge this guy during the summer, I would I would be able to live with that as opposed to not having a guy that can take the snaps that you feel like could be your number one guy in during the spring. Now, going back to Gilbert, too, I, I, I maybe you can answer this real quick. I saw it, 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 a lot of people kind of wondering about him transferring around so much. Is he going to need a waiver from the NCAA, and why is that not – does seemingly not, you know, a bigger part of the story? Yeah, I, I'm not 100% sure. This is his fourth school. Is that right? Uh, or is it his third? Third. third. He, so he went – well, no, fourth, because he went from Georgia to – or yeah. from LSU to Florida for about two weeks and then to Georgia. And I don't know if necessarily that time there at Georgia is going to count against him. Um, that would be that'd be like one of those things there where you know th- those transfers they don't sign any type of binding you know paperwork. You know there's mm. there's a it's not like an NOI like the the NOI that binding piece of yeah. thing that you're going to get out of the recruiting class. So I don't know if if there's a technicality around that. It would seem that if there was any type of holdups. I'm just kind of speculating here based on that question because I didn't know how to answer it the first time I saw it online. I would think it would impact 
maybe his immediate eligibility in the fall. I'm not going to tell you that he probably wouldn't be able to practice with the team, but maybe they would have to seek out a waiver to get him eligible to play immediately in the fall. So, again, I think I'd have to dig into that a little bit. I, I would love to I would love to kind of track that one down a little bit more. I'm not comfortable necessarily answering that 100%. Well, the other question that I, you know, sometimes I don't warn you. I just come up with these questions. But uh, <laughs> the other question that I have here, is he, as far as you can remember, because I know his ranking um, coming out of high school is, is, is incredibly high. I believe it's higher than anybody. You know, it depends on what service you go through or whatever. But is it is he the highest? If it was if Nebraska got him right out of high school, would be that he'd be the highest rated commit that Nebraska ever landed. Uh well, he was the number five national, number one tight end, and the number one player in the state of Georgia. I, I'm thinking now. Well, let's see. Would would MJ be another guy that's going to enter into the equation? Because I think hmm. that he was also a five star as well. I, I, I would say right now I'm leaning more towards yes. Uh, that that would be the that would be the that would be truthful and that would be an honest statement. Um, I, I don't. I think there maybe is a couple of wrinkles now that since the portal transfer has kind of come up. You know, prior to that, I think you've only had about. Four other five stars, you know, that kind of predates the on three network. Obviously, when you start talking about yeah. like Demario Williams and and guys like that. But there's there's only been a handful of five star guys that have ever picked Nebraska, uh, and then the portal transfer stuff kind of adds, adds another wrinkle to that. So from we're speaking with Brian Munson of On Three Husker Online. From one room with concerns and some additions to another room with concerns and additions. The wide receiver room, um, they added Billy Kemp out of the transfer portal, and they get Isaiah Garcia Castaneda to withdraw his name from the portal, and somehow get Xavier Betts to come back to the team. How much uh, better does the wide receiver room look now than it did last week? Well, I, I think it does. Obviously, look better. Um, you know, look, Kemp is to me. Kemp is a guy that Nebraska has to be looking at is going to likely be their number one, you know, pass catching wide receiver going into the spring. Mm. Um, he has, he has those stats. He's got that experience, you know, obviously playing for the Cavaliers. Um, there really was a lack of, of having that top guy, you know, and I think that there's going to be some things that can kind of help him along. I mean, obviously you got Marcus Washington, you got Alante Brown, you had other guys there that were still talented in the room, but you just didn't have that one guy that was just, you know, the, the Trey Palmer stats walked, and you and there's not a way to kind of even, like, uh, sum the rest of the stats basically in the room to equal what, what Palmer did. So you, you were really looking for that, that kind of security blanket that, that, that Sims and Thompson and, and Smothers and all the other quarterbacks are going to be looking for, and I think that that's what Nebraska felt like they were getting in camp. Now, you bring back Castaneda, he has a catch against Northwestern, then he has another catch and a fumble against Oklahoma, and then it was just like checkout time. There was not there was not another way to kind of reconnect with him because it just seemed like everything was just just went south and sideways. And then was Xavier Bet. I mean, obviously, it seemed like he's had a change of heart, or some things have changed with him personally to want to get back into the football game. And I think that the one thing that's be, that's been very very clear about Matt Rule and his staff is that they are understanding. They are they are listening to every one of the players that sit down and want to talk to them about what has happened to them on their journey and, and taking it all as an individual case basis or a case by case basis versus broad brush strokes. And, and, you know, that these aren't my guys and, and these aren't the guys I need to take care of because I'm bringing my own guys in. That's not been the approach of Matt rule and his staff. 
They have they have listened to the the players that were there that they inherited, and the the obviously a guy like Betts that said, "Hey, I was here, and some things were happening, and now some other things have happened, and I want to come back." So I think the room looks better. Look, I, I think that that's a low risk, high reward kind of thing. Uh, to where you know if you're getting anything basically out of that out of the spring, then then good on you for going ahead and providing at least a, a chance for those guys to come back, uh, and, and maybe potentially find a way either to get back out again because they have some practice film or join the team in a more consistent role. But then I mean I, I think Kemp is going to be that guy. I think that there's several wide receivers that are going to be very interesting, kind of throwing their hat in the ring and being productive as part of that group as well. There are going to be several, several new names and faces in that room, and it's going to be very interesting to see like Coach McGuire kind of navigate navigate his way through it. Well, and you spent you mentioned new names. I mean, there's a there's a lot of new. I think I was looking at it uh, with the 33 additions out of high school and in the portal now. That's about four, you know, 39, 40 percent of the roster. Um, that's of a 85 man roster. Nebraska now, right. with you look at the scholarship distribution, is at 97. I know we talked about this before and potentially making cuts. Is there is there a point? At which I mean they're they're so far over. I, I'm starting to wonder. I've seen some other schools do this, where you have guys that are walk-ons but get nil. Is is there is there, you think any? Have you heard any of that in play potentially for Nebraska being so overloaded in the scholarship side of things? Well, I'm not going to tell you that that isn't going to be a scenario potentially. I did hear that from uh, a portal transfer player in December that -hmm. that was what a school was throwing at them, that they basically, they were after 85, they didn't have a spot for him. And they, and they, and they did feel like NIL, although they couldn't really speak to it, that that, that could play a role in, in obviously getting him to consider that team. I'm not going to tell you that that's not going to potentially play a, play a role here at all. It, It could, I think it's risky, I think you, I mean, look at what happened with the quarterback down there at Florida, like $13 million yeah. guaranteed, whatever, and being released from his, from his NLI. I mean, that's, that's, a uh, that's pretty, uh, that's pretty far out there in comparison to, you know, talking about a scholarship or, or doing something to kind of offset the, uh, the, the walk on kind of aspect of, of wanting to be a Cornhusker, not being on as part of the 85 scholarship group but having some source of an income there to kind of help offset all of that stuff. I, I, I could see that playing a role. I just have not heard of that coming up anywhere yet to where uh, it's, it's something that people should be expecting. Yeah, that's, it's interesting because, I mean, I'm looking at the other spots like some, you know, we always talk about the needs on the on the chart, who they're going to go after. And now I'm kind of starting to think of, well, where do they have too many? Uh, but in that line, is there I know the transfer portal closed. Can players still commit to, to different schools? And do you see Nebraska still out there hunting, adding more to the picture? Well, I mean, if, if they are, it wouldn't surprise me. I think that they can still accept. A commitment because technically I don't I don't know the window the window has closed and I don't know if we should be still anticipating visitors this weekend from the portal because classes haven't technically started and it's still kind of that open period I need to go back and re-review my, my recruiting calendar I don't re- don't recall them saying anything about portal guys not be able to take another visit here. Um, but I, I think that there was an interesting name that came up, and I'm trying to remember, uh, it was an Oklahoma offensive tackle that people might have mm. suggested that there was uh, maybe uh, something that, to go along the lines of like Walter Rouse and maybe maybe those two things being related. 
Nebraska really is going to have to be, uh, you know, it's going to be circled on their board somewhere. The offensive tackle position is going to be something that they have to evaluate right away um, in the spring because if they don't get in, a, if they don't aren't able to host any more guys and they're not able to add any more guys out of the portal, um, I don't really assume that they're looking for any of the 2023 recruiting class to step up and be ready to play uh, next year. So you're kind of then doing it through the spring with what you've got. And that assessment then needs to lead you to putting your face back into the portal more than likely and trying to find, you know, missing out on a Walter Rouse and, and getting another guy like that to come in or two and, and taking some, again, some more of the pressure off of those guys that have been asked to step up and play very early in their careers. And we know that the development necessarily wasn't really all there. So you want to, you want to, you want to do that to help your team out and, and get that, get that group back on more of a development plan as opposed to meeting the early contributors out of the high school uh, commitment, cl- uh, the commitment class. Uh, final question here. I know when Nate was here, he would always ask you about Malachi Coleman. It was a weekly thing. Uh, well, now we've moved on. Malachi's in the fold. Uh, now the weekly question is going to have to be one. Dylan Riola. Uh, of course, when Frost and Steph was here and Riola uh, picked uh, picked uh, Ohio State, it didn't feel like Nebraska was like second or third. Now you hear his, his top four. It feels like Nebraska's Unofficial in there. Might not four. be the favorite, um, but at least is in there. Uh, what, do, what are your kind of thoughts on, on Dylan Riola? What's kind of been the movement there over the last uh, week or two? Well, obviously in the top four, uh, Sipple and, and Chad Simmons uh, both had some really good stuff on Rayola, you know, throughout the week. I, I, I think I think people have to start understanding here that, you know, I, I think that the, the legacy side is going to play into it somewhat, but Nebraska is going to have to, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a Dom, you know, a Dom, Dom was a tremendous player, but Dom doesn't want to influence his son's decision because it's, that's a resentful kind of thing. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't really turn out to be a positive and you, and you, and you influence it the other way, a different way. And it, and it ends up being a bad scenario and a bad commitment. So I, I think that, I think what you have to really pay close attention to is, is how Nebraska is kind of going to continue to start to, to build that bond. Cause that bond is, although Dylan has got a soft spot for Nebraska, it still has to be, you know, kind of prop back up again with what Matt Rule and Coach Satterfield kind of have in mind. And there was some really good stuff in Tunnel Talk today from 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 Steve about the conversations between Dom and Satterfield. And I know Nebraska was out there uh, last week, you know, uh, checking out Dylan and checking out the high school. So that is going to be something that I would anticipate every single week that Nebraska can get out there to, to Chandler to check out uh, the Rayolas. Uh, whenever they can during a contact period in the evaluation period, they'll be back up in, in, in April. I would totally anticipate them being out there every single week because they are definitely definitely going to want to stay in that sweepstakes. And it doesn't sound like Dylan necessarily is anticipating choosing another school anytime soon. It, it really feels like he's backing off and wants to t- and wants to really take another good full view of, of the evaluation of these schools, which is really in Nebraska's favor. He is Brian Munson of Husker Online and on three. Always joining us here on a Friday. We're always appreciative. Thanks again for uh, your time and information. Have a great weekend, guys. We'll talk to you again next week. All right. Thank you. There he goes, Brian Munson, once again, of Husker Online in on three. Uh, we'll take a break here on the Ticket Water Cooler. Uh, and uh, when we come back, we'll talk some more about the goings on. Of course, a big NFL uh, playoff weekend. And uh, Blake Corum, surprising maybe to some that he returned 
for to Michigan for another year. There's a reason. There might be a reason. We'll, well tell you what that is. I want to. <laughs> Coming up next year on uh, on the Ticket Water Cool on 93.7 Ticket.